said, we are continuing in, in our Jesus series um, this, this week. We've got a couple more weeks to go. Um, and we've got Niall this morning. So very exciting. At least one person is. Please don't object, objectify the speaker, Grace. Come on. Um, but very excited to have Niall speak with us this morning. Um, year seven and eight, also, you guys can go now. We're going to meet over at the, um, the tennis club, which is very cool. Are you going to share a little bit about that as well? Oh, no, no. But anyway, um, yeah, we've got a new, ex- very, very exciting. We've found out this week we are going to be able to use the tennis club, which is just over there. Um, for our year seven and eights, which is a real answer to prayer and certainly an exciting venue to be able to use for the um, for our youth. So that's very cool. But I'm just going to pray for Niall now. God, I thank you for um, for Niall. I thank you for um, one his friendship, but also um, for everything that you've placed within him. And this morning, as he shares with us, God, would you would you use him to be um, your your words? Um, God, would you use his words to speak to the very heart of, of us as your people? And God, would we again be captured by that question of who do you say that I am? And as we look at your word, God, would you reveal yourself to be the more that we know you to be? Amen. Amen. Cool. Is this working? Yep. You all hear me? Okay. I've also got a clicker. which I need to turn on. And the clicker works. Look at that. All right. Technology, eh? Very good. So, um, awesome. Yeah, my name's Niall. For those that uh, don't know me, uh, I'm one of the youth leaders here uh, for Mahurangi Vineyard. Um, and just to echo what um, Lyndon was saying, uh, around the tennis court club, uh, really cool that we can utilise that space. So we used to use this, the Springboard building that was down there, uh, and then um, obviously they've, they've moved from there um, and we then had lockdowns and so we haven't really had to worry too much about where we're going to meet on the Sunday morning. We meet on a Sunday night across at the factory for the seniors um, but then the Sunday morning was a little bit harder to figure out. So we asked around and we got lots of, lots of no's, no's, no's um, and then we got the yes from the uh, tennis club so praise God, praise God for that. Awesome, so... Um, as you know, we've been going through the Who Am I series, covering the different names and claims um, of Jesus, and we've had some incredible presentations um, captured on the different um, aspects of who Jesus is, and my prayer today is that we capture something precious and powerful um, when we talk about Jesus being the true vine. Um, it's definitely difficult to try and keep this within a reasonable uh, time, you know, as I was sort of preparing and I'm sure it goes the same for everybody else and, and the different aspects that we've heard, but there's so much to unpackage on who Jesus is, uh, whether talking about it relating to, to the, the Israelites at the time um, versus how it's relating to us today. You right? Okay. Um, and I think the exciting thing for me um, is that while there are some aspects that may not necessarily be in our everyday language like Jesus being the good shepherd or, or even the true vine, those aren't necessarily things that we talk about in our everyday language. The point and the big picture of what Jesus is getting at is that there's not one thing in our lives that Jesus cannot be a part of. In every situation and in every circumstance and every thought and every conversation, in every dark time and in, in, in every depression and every joy, Jesus can be a part of that moment. 
And I think it's so important for us to ensure that in everything and in anything that we do that we gaze upon the person of Jesus Christ. So Father, I thank you for here and now. God, this day belongs to you. God, we belong to you. This church belongs to you. The very breath in our lungs belongs to you. So Lord God Almighty, breathe on us afresh this day. May your closeness and your nearness be with us now. Holy Spirit, come. Amen. So as you can see, I have the... Oh, is that... Do I need to... That's what? Oh, it's gone. Okay, so there's no slides. All right, that's fine. You just have to trust me. There was a slide and there was a great presentation, so... <laughs> yeah, it wasn't just that one slide, so... Uh, I'll pay the 50 bucks afterwards, no. Okay, so um, I had the privilege of speaking on Jesus being the, the true vine, um, and as I was preparing for this message over the um, different evenings, I thought it would only be appro appropriate to also drink from the vine. Uh, so if my words begin to slur as I read my prompts, then, uh, then, then we know why. <laughs> so uh, the agenda for today, just so we're all on the same page, is I'm going to read from John 15, um, verses 1 to 8. Uh, so feel free to get that ready. Uh, we'll then unpackage the symbol of the vine and the reason why it was important for Jesus to say that I am the true vine. We'll then lead into breaking down the key ideas and some school and thoughts are presented in the vine, um, and then we're going to conclude with some ministry time um, today. Does that sound okay? Cool. Awesome. So reading from the New King James Version, uh, John chapter 15, uh, 1 through to 8. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch of me that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so that you will be my disciples. So diving into the importance of the vine, the, I've got three symbols that represent or um, Jesus speaking into this. So the first symbol, and probably the, the founding symbol, is that Israel was a vine. So um, on the screen, there would have been um, some uh, scriptures that I put in there. I, just, I had about five or six uh, that I put in there that, that referenced Israel being a vine. So Jesus is taking the old and transforming it to the new. Many Jews felt that their um, ethnicity and religious ways were the essence of bearing fruit for God, um, and that as they were God's chosen people, that, that anything outside of that was considered unworthy. And so reading Jeremiah 21, uh, 2 verse 21 in the New King James Version, it says, I had planted you a noble vine, a seed of highest quality. How then have you turned from me into a degenerate plant of an alien vine? And we're going we're gonna to come back to that word degenerate because I thought it was fascinating. But in the NIV version, it says, I had planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. 
How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? So Jesus, when he declares that I am the true vine, is basically saying that anyone that is attached to a vine outside of Jesus is attached to a corrupt vine. And the word degenerate means having lost the physical, mental, or moral qualities considered normal and desirable, showing evidence of decline. And I thought that this was a a very powerful thought for us today, is that Jesus is the physical, mental, and moral quality considered normal. And anything outside of this is degenerate. And our position as those who are saved is in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. We're going, to do it. We're going to do that a few times. So just, just be aware. Only Christ has the power to bear genuine spiritual fruit that echoes into eternity. And only those who stay connected to the vine or connected to him will receive this power, this fruit, this blessing, this, this salvation, and this hope. I am the vine, Christ says, abide in me. The second symbol is establishing our true source of strength. Again, there would have been a number of scriptures up there that, um, that sort of detailed uh, scriptures that have this dependence or this desperation for God. Uh, so I'm just going to read um, some snippets from those. So there's um, Colossians, Jeremiah, Proverbs, Psalms, um, Philippians, and Exodus. So I'm just going to read some snippets from the verses that I had up there. So Jesus Christ, our hope of glory. Blessed are those who put their trust in the Lord. A man prepares for the battle, but the Lord brings the victory. Whatever the righteous do shall prosper. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My God, I will exalt him. Jesus, the true vine, is our source of strength. And we cannot be everlasting fruit unless we are part of the vine, unless we are in Christ. Everyone say, in Christ. The third symbol is faith in Jesus. The vine removes this idea of a performance-based faith. Remember the Israelites being a vine and the many stories of the Pharisees that we can read in the Gospels. And shifts this into a relationship-based faith. That God does not judge us on what we produce, but rather by our obedience to him. Jesus doesn't say, every branch in me that produces fruit. He says, every branch in me that bears fruit. Performance-based faith is a a hot topic and deserves its own session and maybe a a cluster conversation. Um, As there are lies that the enemy brings, even in our own Christianity, that tells us that we are not enough, that we have failed because of X, Y, Z, that we're not good enough to be in God's presence. Yet we have a loving Father that is longing and ready to embrace us because of what Christ has done. So the key note to wrap the three symbols there is that Jesus is the true vine. The vine is our source of strength, and he represents a relationship-based faith. I had some really cool pictures of some vines that I was going to show you this morning, um, but we'll have to, uh, we'll have to uh, excuse that um, this time around. Maybe we can um, send one of them to, uh, through the, the weekly connector. There was, there, was one, there was one there that was really cool. It was, it was a picture of a vine that sort of had branches going out, and there was sort of Jesus sitting in the middle, and then like, just like these dudes hanging on the edge of the edges of the branches. I'm assuming they're the twelve disciples, but it was uh, it was a really cool, really cool picture. All right, so what we're going to do is unpackage um, the ideas of the vine, um, the schools of thought that we can grab from there. 
So the first is that the branches cannot bear fruit without the vine. So the vine dresser accomplishes two things with the branches. A branch that does not bear fruit, he lifts, supports, and guides its position to ensure it does not rot. He ensures sunlight covers the branch so that photosynthesis, or in our world, his light, can begin to his work in bringing life and promote fruitfulness. A branch that does bear fruit, he prunes to promote further growth and more fruit in the next season. This is a thought for us this morning. Fruit is not equivalent to work. The branch didn't accomplish the fruit on its own. Again, Jesus does not say every branch in me that produces fruit. He says every branch in me that bears fruit. Fruit is organic and a proving byproduct of the branch's connection to the vine. The second thought is that um, the vine cannot produce fruit without the branches. So we have a dependence on God, but conversely, and a powerful thought is that God chooses to work through us to share his love, his truth, and his spirit. God chooses to need us. His commission in Genesis uh, 1 was, be fruitful and increase the number, fill the earth and subdue it. Jesus' commission now in Matthew 28 is, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God chooses to need us. Uh, we, one of the, um, oh, you got a rejecter? Yeah, can we? Oh, please, that'd be great. I didn't slave the many hours of producing this for no reason. <laughs> cool, we will do that. I had a, well, we set up there, I had a conversation, well, we, um, uh, a few Sunday nights ago, we, at the senior youth, we did a panel where we invited a few young adults to, um, to come and share. Um, and we had some predetermined questions that we asked them, and, um, and then we sort of opened up the floor for the youth to ask some questions as well. And that happened to actually be our biggest Sunday night that we've had just for a normal night. We obviously get big numbers when we do a social um, thing, go out and do some stuff. Um, but that was actually our, our largest number, so um, we had 22 youth that Sunday night, which was incredible. Um, but one of the questions that the youth asked was um, this question of, how do you know, how do I know when the Holy Spirit is talking to me? How do I know um, how God speaks to me? And one of, the, um, one of the stories that I gave was, for me, you know, I didn't quite f- figure this out until I was probably in my late 20s, bit of a late bloomer, um, and, and, and understanding how the Holy Spirit speaks to me. Um, but I had the story of uh, one Sunday morning, uh, many years ago, we were, we were coming back uh, from church. We are going to a different church at the time, and uh, Grace and the kids uh, were at home, and it was it started to rain, um, and I decided to, that I'll pull in for a coffee um, at the food market next to the warehouse. Um, and as I was coming in, I saw this elderly couple uh, in the rain, uh, and I just had this thought, this feeling, this this urging to uh, offer them a ride. Um, but you know, it was a bit inconvenient. I was driving, just getting a coffee, wanting to go home. So you sort of just brush it off in the heat of the moment. You know, brushed it off. Uh, pulled in, parked up, went to go get a coffee, and the line was really long, and so I was like, oh, I'm not going to wait. So I hopped in my car, got to the intersection, and I saw the couple again, but sitting in the bus shelter um, out of the rain, and had that same feeling, that urge. And 
it was at that time that I was sort of beginning to figure out how the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And I sort of just clicked saying, oh, this is, this is the Holy Spirit. So anyway, parked up, um, offered them a ride, helped them in the car, dropped them off at the other end of Snails, and that was it. So nothing, you know, nothing spectacular, nothing spiritual of any sense. Um, but it, what it was, was showing, showcasing God's love, showcasing God's kindness and his mercy. Um, and one of the questions that I've heard a lot growing up is who or what is on the other side of our obedience? God is asking the question, who will go? Who has eyes to see what I am doing? Who has ears to hear my voice? Who has a heart soft and ready? Who has hands that are ready to serve? Who is going to offer that elderly couple in the rain a ride home? Who's going to help the person pick up their stuff when they drop it? Who's going to wait another 10 seconds to hold the door for someone as they're walking through? It's the small little things of love and kindness that Jesus is looking to share through us. And a powerful thought for us this morning is that the fruit that the branches bear aren't for the branches. It's for others. This is working, yeah? Oh, yes. Okay. So I did have scriptures, so you got that? Yep. Very good. All right, so we're going to take a quick look at the pictures. So you can see here, I I took a couple of snapshots. Um, So this is quite cool. This showcases the different years as as the vine goes. Um, so you can see it starts small and begins to grow and, and develop into a mature, uh, to a mature plant that's bearing fruit. But that in every season, the, the sort of leaves and the leaves die, and then there's pruning that goes on and and so forth, which sort of leads us into this this here. So I I, I took this from Google um, and I sort of changed it a little bit. It was um, some of the words were a little bit distorted, but. This here is quite a cool aspect on the seasons that we go through. Um, this is, again, specifically speaking to the vine, but you've got the budverse, the flowering, the set, um, verasion, harvest, which is then the fruit bearing and winemaking, then the pruning, and the cycle begins, um, which takes us to each new cycle, the, the plant becomes more mature. I thought this was cool. So we've got environmental factors, and we've got management factors. So for the vine, the environmental factors will be uh, weather, right? Rain sunlight, photosynthesis, promoting growth. Uh, and then the management factors will be the vine dresser or the, the, the farm manager that's pruning and, and helping to lift the branches and put guidelines in, <coughs> etc. And I've added, this wasn't in Google, but I've added life in God. Um, so in our life, or, or, or I guess in our cycle of, of bearing fruit and seasons that we go through, we have the two um, factors. We've got the environmental factors, which is our decisions, people that we surround ourselves with, circumstances, situations that we find ourselves in that help to mature us and grow us. And then we have the management factors, which is the Holy Spirit that speaks into us, that develops us. And, and as we as we come to church and as we abide in Christ, then um, then we develop and grow, you know, and allow the Holy Spirit to do that within us. And that there was the cool picture of Jesus sitting there in the branch, and then just some dudes hanging out on the. Uh, on the edge of the branches there. <laughs> All right. Now I've got to figure out where I was up to. Um, 
All right, we've done that one. Brilliant. Okay. So the third thought. The branches are pruned to produce more fruit. Pruning is a process of God cutting away or removing the things that make us less fruitful. Getting rid of the things that make us less like Christ. And when I was thinking about this idea of pruning, I had a bit of a laugh because uh, if trees could talk or if roses could, could express pain um, as they suffer through the pruning process, um, then I'm sure it would be in a, 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 a hilarious noise. And that reminded me of a video that I took of our very own Aidan Lane, um, who a couple of years ago at Easter camp figured out that he had this incredible impersonation of a screaming goat. Um, <laughs> and so what I have here, yeah, we can, let's play it. I want everyone to know this morning, when you're pruning your rose bushes, that's the noise that's happening. <laughs> so, every time you prune, that's the noise I want you to think about. I just want to say quickly, um, uh, there was... For those of you who don't know, that was Aidan Lane. And um, when I was sort of putting this in the presentation here, I just had this real sense from the Holy Spirit that... Where, is Aidan here this morning? Oh, there he is. That uh, Aidan, God has put on you a joy to share with other people. And I've seen it time and time again at youth that you bring such laughter and such joy and such a pleasure to be around. So, there you go. Okay. We'll skip one a little bit. That's okay. So, pruning, pruning is uncomfortable, inconvenient, and painful. Sometimes they are things like humility, uh, embracing the inconvenience, or tough life situations that we find ourselves in. And it's no surprise that when we go through tough times, that we probably dive a bit deeper in prayer than what we usually would for Christians and non-Christians alike. Whether dependence or desperation. Like a child that when they run and they fall over and scrape their knee, their instinct is to run to the mother, run to the father, to be embraced. And that doesn't actually change for us, it just looks a little bit different. We often experience life, uh, tough life situations and, and inconveniences, but the amazing thing is that how many times do we hear from people that go through some tough times, they make it through and they say, they say to themselves or say to others, I wouldn't be the man today, I wouldn't be the woman today if I hadn't gone through those tough things. And I, I want to sh- just speak in, a little bit into the, the story of the loving father. So I'm going to l- read from Luke 15, 11 to 19. Uh, and then I'm going to park on that, that last uh, part of the scripture that you see there. So we all, we all know the story. It's something that we've talked about a lot um, here at Mahurangi Vineyard. And I think it's such a powerful story and a story that we should speak over and over again. So a man had two sons. The younger one told his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered everything he owned and traveled to a distant country 
There he wasted it all on wild living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country and he began to be in need. So he went out to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. No one would give him anything, even though he would have gladly filled himself with the husks the pigs were eating. Then he came to his his senses and said, How many of my father's hired men have more food than they can eat? And here I am starving to death. I will get up, go to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I don't deserve to be called your son anymore. Treat me like one of your hired men. So the prodigal son left his father's house and for all intents and purposes lived in defiance of his father's teaching and way of life. When he began to lose his inheritance by his self-absorbed decisions, found himself amongst the pigs. Even at his lowest point, amongst the pigs, eating the husks that the pigs were eating, he only thought as much as to become a servant in his father's house. Then he came to his senses, I don't deserve to be called your son anymore. But why? Who, who told him that? Why did he feel unloved? Who told him that he wasn't enough? We had Phil come up and speak a few weeks ago beautifully, uh, just this prompting from the Holy Spirit of who told you that you weren't enough? The father didn't. I mean, we know the end of the story. The father longed for his return and embraced him in love. He felt that way because he positioned himself in that mindset and emotion. He did not feel love because he did not abide in his father's love. I remember watching a documentary on Matt Fraser, who's a, an elite CrossFit um, athlete, saying that if he, in sort of in his prime and, and competition, that if he skipped more than two days of training, that it would take him a week before he was back at the level of required fitness um, for his, you know, for his level. And it got me thinking that when we do not spend time to abide in his love, to focus and to meditate on his words, his love story for us, then we can begin to forget. It's not about performance, but when we begin to lose the deliberate positioning of, our, of, of closeness and we become caught up in the heaviness of life and all its uncertainties. And then one of three things happen. We either lament and feel unworthy to come to God's presence. And just as a spoiler alert, we are already made worthy in Christ. Jesus said, you are already made clean because of the words that I have spoken. Or number two, we become resentful, angered, and blame God for our crises. Or number three, we come before God humbly and in repentance. Oh, we've done that one. The branches that do not bear fruit are cast away. In Galatians 5, 19, verse 21 The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, self-ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I'm going to read that same passage from the message version. Uh, And that says, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get our own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, or consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper and an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrollable and uncontrolled addictions, ugly parodies of community. But, and there is a but, 
the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Jesus says in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There are plenty of things that energize us and, and give us strength, but only Jesus offers life with God. And only life with God produces fruit that will last into eternity. Um, Maz spoke uh, about a month ago um, beautifully, and, and he made this statement, which I totally agree with, and something that I think about a lot, is that modern Christianity has lost its sense of eternity. It's not something that we talk about a lot. We are so, can be so caught up and focused on the here and now, um, but it's got to be said, a good and prosperous life full of riches and health is not God's priority. That's our priority. God's priority is Jesus and him glorified, and that message spread to all nations and all people. And when we position ourselves in Christ, abide in who he is, gaze upon him in every circumstance, then we're capturing the true eternal strength of bearing everlasting fruit in our lives, in our communities, in our families, in our relationships, in our work, our prayers, our church, in truth and love. And so as, we, as I sort of conclude um, this morning, and I'm going to invite the band up in a second, but I'm always asking the why, you know, why, why? What is, what is the why behind what God is doing and, and what Jesus is doing and the Holy Spirit and the message and church and life and, and things? And it's the gospel message. We have a God seated on his throne in the heavenly kingdoms. He created life on earth to bring about children who would tend the land and live in perfect harmony with the heavens. Sin entered the world and so cut us off from this harmony, threw the world into turmoil, and humanity fell short of the glory of God. There's now a gap. And without an intervention, we succumb to the power of sin and death, which leads to the destruction of our soul and separation from God. So how do we bridge the gap? What sacrifice can be made to complete the new work in heaven to re reconnect us to the holy of holies? Jesus. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Son of Man, perfect, blameless, and the one to lay down his life. And in his death and resurrection, we are forgiven. We are given eternal life beyond death, and we can be holy as he is holy here and now, because our position is in Christ. What great joy we have knowing such a feat has been accomplished for us. I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and you shall bear fruit. Jesus, our hope of glory. So if the band wouldn't mind um, coming up, We are going to listen to a song. Uh, no words. No words on the screen. Oh, we got that. No words on the screen. Um, oh, maybe we'll. I don't know. Ideally, we don't have. We won't have words on the screen. So, um, be nice just to listen to the song um, and just soak in uh, the words that we're hearing, um, and just to really focus in on that. Um, invite the Holy Spirit to minister to us invite God's nearness and presence um, with us now and there may be those here this morning that haven't had an opportunity to give their life to God 
or say, yes, Lord, graft me into the vine that is Jesus Christ. And Jesus is saying to us today, come as you are. You are enough. Let me change you. Don't try to prepare yourself before you come before me. I desire mercy and I am willing to give mercy to any and all who call upon my name. Abide in me. Or there may be people here that just need a refreshing. Maybe the river of life was throwing through you, but for whatever reason, you feel like the waters are stagnant, not moving. And we need the Holy Spirit to burst open the dam upon the river in you. So as we listen to the song, we're going we're gonna to give this opportunity to open up the floor. And we're going to do it a little bit, a little bit differently, so we're not going to have the words. But if you want to come up as a declaration, we're going to split the front two sides. So on my right, your left, on this side of the room, if you want to come up as a declaration, but you don't want prayer, you just want to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you, you can do that from your seat. But if you want to come up as a declaration, then come to this side of the room. If you want to, if you want to come up, but you do want prayer, then please come to this side of the room and that way one of the leaders know that they can come pray for you. Father, we glorify your name. Here and now. Holy Spirit, come. Afresh this new day. That we may be grafted into the vine, the true vine that is Jesus Christ that we may bear fruit that echoes for generations. Fruit that echoes into eternity. Lord, burst open the dam, the walls that may be surrounding our heart. And may a river of life throw through us here and now. This is to your glory. In Jesus' name.